from the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Writer's Serial Fiction Show. If you haven't listened to today's story, we'd encourage you to pause and go listen to Mark's Piles episode on our companion podcast first. We can only play half the episode. So if you like what you hear, check out the full episode free on Vela. The links to the Vela are in the show notes. So JP. So Christine. We are batch recording again, as we do. So no personal progress today. Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> did hey. you hear? Did they, I did not. I don't know why I'm laughing so much. <laughs> uh, you did hear this because we were talking about it, but okay. I... I still want to talk about it. Um, so Vela has an update where they now yes. allow multiple authors. Yes, a little late for us, but you know. A little late for us. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to include both of our author names or not. Um, only because it, it leads to traffic back to us, uh, which could be good. But yeah, that's my, I don't know. And we've been talking about this and I know you have a different approach. Yeah, well, we kind of started out wanting to pen name it anyway, just to separate it from our Chad Pub stuff. Um, so I think we're going to continue on just because we've already put now enough investment into the pen name. Uh, and I think we're just going to carry on with that for the Vela. And it's not a closed pen name. So, you know, here and there we'll be like, oh, this is the pen name for us and check yeah. out our other stuff. But yeah, I think we're just going to leave it as the pen name. But I can see for you and, and Jeff why it would be uh, maybe a good idea to separate that out. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to decide like how, if we should just boom, cut it, change it, update all the episodes that say where to find us or like do it gradually and then kill off JT Blakely, <laughs> um, which is always an option. But yeah, I haven't, we haven't done anything with it yet because even though this information came out a couple days ago, like I don't want to make any like, jump brash decisions and I don't think I have to yeah. um but I'm just I guess I'm the reason I'm bringing it up is I'm curious if there are other co-writers out there uh because I know there are because we've interviewed them uh and I would like to hear what they plan on doing uh with this new feature in Vela if they're going to keep their uh pen name or if they're going to update uh and how they're going to approach that yeah, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear whether you're planning to keep the one name or if you're going to separate it into your co-writer names. Come let us know. SerialFictionShow.com. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, tell us on the website. Uh, hit me up on Instagram. Tell me all the things. I need to know. Yes. Speak to me. <laughs> Before we talk to our author, let's talk about pro writing aid. And... Again, I'm looking at this, all the new things that are coming out from Pro Writing Aid and their new features. And now, before you even start writing, you can set your specific document type to see the goals for your reports that will matter to Ooh. the different readers. So I'm looking at the document types. They have nonfiction, academic essay, self-help, business, thriller novel, email, CV, romance novel, children's book, web article. There are more and more and more. So you can set ahead of time your type of document so that you know the goals are tailored to you so that's awesome i think anytime there's more um more uh tailoring that more specificity and then that makes it even easier i'm looking at the creative ones there's general fiction 
uh, biography, fantasy, historical fiction, horror, whatever you're writing, pro writing aid's got you covered. Definitely. And I really like that because mine always gets the default of general fiction. And so maybe with these new changes, I'll I'll be able to kind of specify it a little bit easier. But I've noticed that like there are lots of variability when it comes to those different types of you know, not necessarily grammatical errors, but, you know, sentence length and sentence structure, which you would expect. I mean, it depends on the audience that's reading it and also just the style of writing. And so when you're able to kind of get a collective group, like let's say thriller and you're writing in thriller, it makes makes way more sense uh, for you to align with what is the average data set for that so that you can kind of gear your writing towards that. Exactly. Especially when it's like, oh, maybe your sentence like this too short. Well, maybe not if you're writing thriller because those action scenes, you get those short punch and punchy sentences that just move things along. So yeah, I'm really excited to play with that and and see how that, that goes for my writing. So yeah. 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 So pro writing aid, uh, you should use our serial discount. Our 20% discount is what it is. Uh, and the, the discount code is serial 20, S-E-R-I-A-L 20. ProWritingAid.com. Do it. Woo. All right. Uh, are we ready to dive in? To We're ready. Two? You're sure, up. Sure. Okay. It's me. All right. So we start off episode one with this hook. I really hate parties, especially ones hosted by a monster. Uh, what a great way to hook someone in uh, with kind of turning that idea about someone hating parties on its head. Uh, what do you do in order to craft these hooks? And do you think about them when you're crafting these episodes? Uh, yes, I do think about crafting them <laughs> for sure. Um, there was actually, uh, so I have MFA <clears throat> in popular fiction. So in that program that we have guest speakers and um, um, Kevin Hearn, I believe is his name, who did the Iron Druid series, he came and spoke. And his topic, his module was all about uh, studying first chapters. And so I tried to keep in mind those hooks um, uh, whenever I like built that one, for example. So can't do it for every chapter or what. At least I can't do it for every chapter, but uh, uh, I'm glad to hear that that helped hook you. So yes, I try to I try to think about the hook, and I try to think about the ending of the chapter, something to keep the reader wanting to turn the pages. Cool. And I'm curious how you think about theme, and um, you know, the theme that we kind of came up with was that you have to adapt to new circumstances and work with what you have to get what you want, which seems to be, you know kind of a common theme in in spy thrillers. How do you think about theme or armature in your work if you do at all? And how do you use that? Yeah. um, So I think as I outline, I start to think about, I guess I try to figure out the characters and the plot beats first. And then I go back and try to think about what am I trying to say? And uh, so for for Cade, that is kind of his theme, adapting and and, and growing from there. and I think there's also a theme coming up with like Maria and stuff about, and maybe many of them about trusting each other and trusting other worlders. And so there's a little bit of prejudice mixed between humans and, and other worlders. And so I touch on that a little bit too. And, and, uh, in my theme work. So, yep. 
So you talked about how you you work with your characters first before focusing in on this theme. And I was curious because reading this first episode, we see obviously the the motivation or the want of the scene is to get access to this auction. And it seems like this need is to figure out the motives of Juliet and work with her instead of working against her. So I'm just curious when you were crafting uh, this scene and when you're crafting character motivation and wants, like what does that process look like and how do you craft your characters? Well, I try to think about, so some of the, my quick approaches for characters at first is I think about the, like three levels of traits, like physical, psychological, and, uh, um, and sociological, like they're cultural. And I try to give them a few different traits that are positive or negative. And then I kind of run with that a little bit to think about like backtracking their background, why they have these traits, you know, and then it just kind of, I kind of turn around, turn around, turn around, and then think about their relationships uh, and interactions. And then sometimes the characters start doing their own thing. Right. So Juliet, I had some stuff figured out with her, but really their relationship developed quite a bit as soon as I start writing them together and start to figure out like how the rapport is with each other. So, and then it helped me uh, figure out a lot of stuff. Plus when critique partner said he loved Juliet, then I was like, oh, I got to make sure I have a lot of her. in this. <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of, I, I kind of try to develop that with them. I kind of, um, like some of these other characters get introduced. I'm trying to think of like, how can I make them special and unique in a group? And, um, and uh, so they're not just repetitive. And, and I really try to think about their backgrounds. I really try to make sure they have some kind of, like if I wanted to do an origin story book or something, I have something I could do with them. And it feels like, you know, it feels like, this could be a sequel to some show they used to be in or something like that or series. And, um, and I've tried to do that with a lot of these characters. So hopefully that shows. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really smart. Really thinking about, you know, where were they before you put them on the page? So they don't feel like they were just born on that moment on the page without a background in relationships. Um, and I really love how you tied that relationship with Juliet into like the first conflict in your scene he, you know, he spots her in the crowd and his conflict is that, oh my gosh, she could totally blow my cover. Uh, and he has to make a choice. Like, does he hide from her or does he try to work with her? And he chooses to work with her. He, he just walks up and escorts her in and, you know, the consequences, they both get into the auction. So that decision worked out for him very well. Uh, how do you go about thinking about scene construction when you're writing chapters and episodes? Yeah, I think, um, so I didn't know the three C's as well as I do now when I first wrote that. <laughs> so, uh, so I wasn't like, um, thinking it wasn't very conscious. I'm thinking if necessarily, I think on a more conscious level, I was thinking of a three act structure with the first three episodes or yeah, three episodes, like the, the sequence of those scenes. So I definitely think of it in that way, uh, thinking the beginning, middle end of that sequence and what happens. Um, so I, I think I just try and now I'm I'm trying to pay more attention to the to the three C's and trying to make sure I have that so there's something happening, of course. <laughs> and I'm pushing them a little bit. Um so I think just subconsciously I was just thinking that I need to have something more dramatic happen in the scene and and complicate things. I'm always trying to complicate the storyline for the character a lot. So yeah, that's excellent. Uh, so I'm curious, when writing an urban fantasy, what elements do you believe are key for you to put into the text? 
um, you know, magic. No, no, no. <laughs> no I think uh, for urban fantasy, I think what I did was I had to think, is this hidden world or is this out in the open? You know, because that changes a lot. Because if it's out in the open, then how long has it been out in the open? How's it changed history and stuff? I went with hidden because I just like that a lot more, but also it goes better with super spy because then they're spies in this hidden world, right? Um, so I think you need to figure that out first and how that affects your story. And then um, you have to decide, you know, what paranormal beings are going to be in this this world. And um, for me, it was like uh, maybe a little bit of everything, but, but that can go into generic trope-filled stuff real fast. You're not careful. So I had to think about like, well, how's, how are these characters different from the ones I've read in other books, these, these species and, and factions and stuff. And, um, and so I, I wanted to, I wanted to keep it familiar enough that urban fantasy readers are like, yeah, that's a vampire. That's a fae. And I like those. And, uh, but also like, Oh, but I haven't seen them quite like this before. And I wonder, you know, how different are they and what's their background and stuff. So I gave like the vampires, different religions and stuff and their bloodlines, some unique abilities here and there. Um, I gave, um, you haven't seen a whole lot of it yet, but the Fae have some interesting dynamics. It's a little different and, you know, I'm just trying to play around with that. I want to keep it familiar enough that I know that at least me as an urban fantasy reader, I like it, but also different enough that there's something new to explore here. Yeah. And that's, that's very, that's very cool. And you talked a little bit about tropes. Uh, so, so spy thrillers do have kind of a lot of tropes that you need to include to satisfy your reader. What kind of tropes or obligatory scenes do you like using in spy thrillers? Yeah. So when I thought about thriller, I used story grid, you know, and the idea of story grid genre for thrillers. Uh, and that helped me deal, deal those obligatory scenes. Right. Um, and that was good. It also was good because when I explored that, it made me think more about the the big antagonist and stuff behind Bell and their motivations. I think it's real tempting if, if it's kind of secretive to not really think about it because the protagonist is a no. <laughs> and then when it's all over, if you really think about it kind of hard, you're like, wait a minute, it doesn't make sense. How, why would they do this? You know, et cetera. So I tried to always think about the mysterious bad guys or guys, what were they doing and why were they doing it during the different times? So like, why is this attack happening, you know, and why now? And then other things that happen later, why would they do it then? And, uh, and I think that helped out a lot. Yeah, I love the idea of that. I think it it might have been Sean Coyne who talked about starting with your antagonist first before you even think about writing your protagonist. I don't think I've ever quite done that, but I like the idea of it. Yeah. And it's made me think a lot about my my antagonist a lot more and why how they're driving things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then then thinking about how to uh, link that antagonist view in my theme because at yeah. first I didn't have that, and then when I did it, it was made it so much more powerful. I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So this story is a mashup between urban fantasy and spy thriller. You also encouraged other writers to take the concept of dragons, the the fantasy concept of dragons, and turn it on its head, basically creating another genre mashup. What is your tip for approaching mashing of genres, and how do you uh, decide like what is a good mashup? Hmm. Yeah, I love mashing genres maybe that's why i like urban fantasy because it it mashes genres by itself uh how, how it works um i think you just you need to well you need to figure out what your genres are whether you use like a classification system like uh, like save a cat has one but also like story grid or whoever 
and, and use that to help you look at the genres you want to mash. So you make sure like you have certain pieces of that in there and, in, and when you mash it together. And if you remove certain pieces, ask yourself, why did you remove that piece and how it might affect the audience experience? Are they going to hate that or are they going to love it? Um, and, and sometimes maybe only you love it. Maybe you need to take a chance. But <laughs> but uh, that's kind of, I think that's kind of how to approach it in a way. And I think some, some genres are easier, easier to match than others because some of them, some of them I think are like, some of them like mystery and thriller are about the structure of the story and the plots. Whereas other ones like sci-fi and fantasy are more about the, the reality and kind of reality layer to it. So uh, it's a little easier to mesh maybe those together in some ways. But, um, but yeah, but I, I just love meshing different genres. So like with, with our Wild West story, it was about understanding the Western genre and, and watching a lot of, Julie watches tons of Wild West stuff. And, and I have passively watched a lot of it too. <laughs> um, so that's great. And then taking the dragon and dragon rider, you know, concepts and tropes and stuff, and then trying to mesh them together in something a little different. So there's nothing quite like a, uh, cowboys shooting at each other while they're flying in the air on dragons. It's a little different. <laughs> a little Absolutely. Bit. <laughs> there are a lot of logistical things too. We had to think about <laughs> how that would work. <laughs> so I can imagine that sounds like a really interesting story. So yeah, I'd like mm-hmm. to check that out. So um, what techniques have you learned from film production that you use when plotting or writing that you'd like to share? Um, so one thing I do when you direct something, you usually create like a lookbook uh, with a lot of different, you know, uh, concept art or, uh, or if you're not an artist and we're going to hire one, then you have, you know, pictures that you're taking from stuff. So I, I use that for, for my stories using plotter or something else to, to store those images in Scrivener. Um, to help me, you know, like all my characters, like in City Monsters, I have them cast, if you will. I have I have pictures of them, of different actors or models or something I found that that captured kind of the essence of them. Um, and that helps me out a lot when I get a location in the story, especially any ones I know they're going to come back to. I really try to find good pictures and, and help me kind of visualize it like you would in a, in a film or something so you can block it or just kind of get the vibe. Um, so, you know, those things, the, the, there's stuff, I think, later on where I experiment a little bit with cutting between scenes and different POVs that I don't see very often in, in story t- novels and stuff that you see all the time in scripts. And so I wanted to experiment and see how far I could push that without breaking it, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, stuff like that. And, and dialogue is really heavy in uh, scripts. And um, so I've tried to practice a lot with that. And hopefully that shows in, in this story um, and trying to develop personality and character and the dialogue for some of those characters. So we kind of talked about how we bring other techniques into writing serials, but now I'm curious, how do you approach writing serials that's different from your other works, from screenplays, from short stories, novels? Uh, what are you doing that's different for serial? Yeah, so I think... Mm, What's really different in serial? So, so Obsidian Monster started off as a novel originally. Released this yet? It's not. I need to do one more, at least one more pass through it. Why don't I try it as a serial? Because it's a thriller. 
So at least the general pacings there. Um, so, and then the other spinoff is more like, I'm going to try write it for serial first. Um, so like, so really keeping it tight and, and, um, and also keeping it, keeping your paragraphs really short, um, which I do a lot with my dialogue, but not necessarily my description. So I think that is really useful. Like for this new story, I'm trying really hard to do that because now as I see it in serial, I'm like, well, sometimes there's some big chunks in there. And I think, and I get it. If you're on a phone looking at that, that's a little different experience than on a book. Um, and then I also think, I think those, I think it's always important, like your chapters and stuff be really strong, but with serial, it's just 10 times more important. And uh, you really got to figure out your three C's, for example, and really, uh, really think that through. And uh, every beginning and ending really has to hook them. So it's a little bit, a little bit harder. <laughs> and, I, and I would encourage people, if you do a lot of world building, uh, I would write ahead because I think like for my story, if I hadn't written the first draft of the season first, um, I don't think it would be quite as original as it is now um, because there's certain terms I just didn't think about until I got deeper into it. And then I went back and put them in there and, and I, it would have been a shame not to have that. So I think you should write ahead. It will keep your sanity too to, for your schedule. And then, um, and then also I think it'll make your story a little richer and save you from getting in some, some uh, hitting some walls. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's how I started. And now I have burned through all those episodes. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so what does your daily writing routine look like? Well, it's been a little messy this last month because the anthology, because <laughs> uh, learning how to do uh, all of it, like Drafted Digital and Atticus for the first time and stuff was was a challenge. Yeah. Uh, so, ate, And then the marketing and everything ate up a lot of my brain, my brain energy, or whatever I want to say. But what I try to do uh, in general in my writing schedule is I try to block out time, uh, if not every day, at least every other day, like one to two hours if I can. And I do sprints in those times, um, helps to help me focus between the, you know those amounts. And a lot of times, I can in two hours, I can maybe get a, I can maybe get a rough draft of a first, at least one scene or something done that way. It matters how big it is. Um, and I just and that just helps me a lot. Just getting sprints and the timing that I can get in the flow and I can get a lot of words down. Um, but then I can take breaks and. And it helps if you know my my wife wants to talk to me or something. She knows that well. Just give him twenty minutes, and then I can talk to him. <laughs> so it helps with that too. Um, but that's that's what I don't always do that. But that's when I have done that. That is uh, and stayed with that. That's been always my most productive schedule. I know that all too well, and it's always like this frustrating moment where you're like, if I just stuck to it. I would be productive, but I hate the process of sticking to it. I know, <laughs> At least right? that's for me. That's what I do. And I'm just like, oh, why does the system work so well? <laughs> this is boring. This is working too well. Let's complicate <laughs> this. <laughs> that's precisely my thoughts. Uh, so I'm curious, what is your favorite thing about the Vela platform? And maybe what's one thing that you'd like to see change on it? Uh, my favorite thing on Vela. I, I, um, hmm. I like, I mean, I like how it looks, I guess, and the, and the layout. Um, and <laughs> and it's hard to compare because I've been in a lot of serial fiction, except some um, uh, 
except for uh, oh my gosh, blanking. Which one usually has fan fiction? Is it script or not script? It's uh, Oh, anyway, mm-hmm. read some fan fiction on one of the major platforms. Can't remember the name. Wattpad. Um, that one has a lot of fan fiction. It is Wattpad. Yes. There thanks. you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's hard for me to compare, but I like it. Looks clean and crisp, and and how it's designed. Uh, although I think they should. When you sometimes I have to. I don't have a iOS, so it'd be. I read it on my desktop, so it'd be nice if they would change the sizing for that screen. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think it would be nice. I don't know if it needs to be as dramatic of comments as like on Wattpad. I think you can just like throw in comments over the place. Uh, I don't know if it has to be that much, but something where people can make comments more easily would be nice. Yeah, I think we're all Definitely. hoping for that. Hopefully yeah. the Vela gods will <laughs> listen to us. <laughs> uh, so as the last question, what would you say to someone looking to start a serial? I would say do it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there's anything to lose doing it. Uh, just make sure, I would say, give yourself a potential ending that's not too far out so that if you decide you don't like it, you can at least hit that ending and stop. Um, and then if you do like it, you can keep going. Uh, but I think there's nothing to lose because right now, especially the bonuses right now, it's it's decent money. Um, uh, and so you make a little money, you also get feedback, you're, you're practically getting free like beta readers almost, or you'd see it that way in a way. And then you can put it together as your book and, you know, uh, and if you're not very well versed or you haven't written a lot yet, then this isn't a terrible way to get practice. This is like fan fiction, right? And, and, and uh, learn how to write better. I'm not saying just throw stuff random up there or anything i would outline everything else high quality you know get an edit and stuff on it but um but i think there isn't a lot to lose and i think it's it's a fun experiment it's like with short stories if you can write a good short story i think it's it's easier to go from a short story to a larger project and i think it's the same thing with serial fiction i think if you do a good serial fiction story it's gonna be very easy for you to write really fast-paced and good thriller novels well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Our thanks today to Mark's Pile for letting us break down their episode. We want to thank you for listening to the Reader Serial Fiction Show. If you know someone who might enjoy the show, send them your favorite episode link. And if you want to leave an Apple podcast review, we read all of them and use your suggestions. You can also leave a comment on the episode on our website, SerialFictionShow.com. We'd love to hear from you. And finally, we have a Patreon where you can get Serial Fiction Show episodes early. We also have tons of other things in the works. So check us out at patreon.com slash Serial Fiction Show. Thanks. And we'll see you next time with another Serial Fiction episode. And, and that's, a, that's wrap. a wrap. Today, we've got an Enemies to Lovers romance by... That's not correct. Enemies to Lovers? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's not correct at all. What the hell is this? (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was a leftover.
What? That was a leftover. Let me find um, out this category. It's a paranormal fantasy. Okay, say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So long. Farewell. Well, I don't know where the, the goodbye button adieu. is. There it is. <laughs> goodbye.